Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of October 5th through October the 11th. Uh, this week, we're going to see Mercury making an opposition to Uranus, as well as Mars making a square to Pluto. Uh, we will be experiencing a last quarter moon phase, as well as Venus making a trine to a retrograde Uranus. Uh, we'll finish the week with a square between the Sun and Jupiter. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we're experiencing kind of the fallout from the, um, from the Aries full moon. I'm recording this on Saturday as the moon has uh, dipped into Taurus. So maybe we're getting a little bit of, break, of a break from some of the fireworks that we've been experiencing all week. Of course, for if anybody hasn't been paying attention, President Trump has been diagnosed with COVID. We'll talk about that a little bit. That's a, a pretty big deal. That's one of the um, October surprises, I guess, that astrologers have been you know, predicting with this period of time. There's just a lot going on in the sky right now with, uh, with the planets. Um, we've got three planets in fall, which is a, a dignity where the planet is kind of depressed or it's not really feeling at its best or able to have uh, significations um, come to fruition very easily or with, with difficulty. Uh, we've got all the malefics are in their own domiciles, but Mars is retrograde, right? So we've got uh, every planet besides Mercury in its fall, but Mercury is about to station retrograde, so it's slowing down and having difficulty in making that opposition to Uranus. While all these other planets are, you know, fairly dysfunctional, and the only planet that's really uh, in, in good shape and starting to pick up steam is Saturn. So this is a, a, a time to lean into Saturn, I would say. So we will uh, we'll break down the planetary condition report in detail coming up here. Um, we will also do a, a daily examination of the planets, their aspects, and the fixed stars. We're going to talk a little bit this week about, um, well, we'll talk about the news cycle but I wanted to specifically focus on some, some documentaries that I watched this week, including um, a few on Netflix, one called The Social Dilemma, which talks about um, examining the ethical use of technology. And I think that that's going to be something we're going to really be dealing with as we move forward uh, into the next few decades here, especially when Pluto moves into Aquarius. I think that's going to become even more of a focal point. Um, and I watched uh, My Teacher the Octopus, which was a really... Um, life-affirming and beautiful examination of a relationship with nature. So it was, you know, you watch one documentary and scare the crap out of yourself, and then you need to, you know, kind of uh, reconnect with the eternal and with uh, something beautiful to kind of create that balance. It was, it was a very, um, we watched both of those in the same night, and it was a very Libra type of, of experience, you know, creating that balance of the light and the dark. Okay, so let's move forward to the planetary condition report. I'll share my screen here, and we will see what we have got. And um, we're going to make this full screen. Yeah, a lot, a lot of thoughts kicking around, and I'm sure that I will get to that uh, as we move forward. Um, but uh, let's see what the planets are doing first, and then I'll, I'll give you some more of my, my opinions on, on both of those uh, entertainment experiences. Uh, the sun will be moving through uh, the second decan of Libra this week from 12 to 18 degrees, where it is in its fall. Um, and remember, that condition was, was said to be something that it, where a planet was 
at the bottom of a well or was in a depressed state. So a planet in exile may be just out of step with society or the establishment um, where it's a little bit more difficult to bring the things that it represents to fruition or you have to work outside of the established norms. I think when a planet's in its fall, um, that condition, from what I'm learning over the last few weeks with Bernadette Brady and, and uh, things of that nature and some more exploration with the nightlight astrology groups, um, it sounds like fall is, is probably the, the more difficult dignity to work through and a planet has is really in, in tough shape um, when, it, when it's in its fall. Um, so we're going to be experiencing that with the sun this week, where the sun likes to command, the sun likes to give us vitality, and we may be feeling a low point with our vitality. Um, we may be feeling a low point with um, individuating and being able to take self-directed action. And um, we may be needing to use our ability to work with others to be able to to manifest some of the things that we desire from an individual perspective. And that can be challenging sometimes because, you know, trying to manifest through other people, our own personal desires requires compromise. So uh, as I said last week, um, it's important, I think, to lean into uh, kind of um, the opposite with, with the sun right now, which is Saturn. Remember, Saturn is exalted in Libra. So if we lean into our ability to um, honor contracts, lean into our ability to uh, consolidate, um, to be comfortable with death and, and maybe a point of lowered vitality, that might be a way to navigate Libra season. Now, you can also lean into the Venusian quality of Venus being the domicile lord, the, the host. Um, the problem with Venus this week is that Venus is in aversion to the sun. It is in uh, its own fall in the sign of Virgo. So Venus isn't really able to provide very well for the sun right now. So solar significations may suffer a little bit. The sun is going to conjoin the fixed star Algarab at 13 degrees of Libra this week on Monday the 5th. So we'll talk about the significations with that. But Algarab was uh, a... A fixed star in the constellation Corvus, which was the crow that was tasked with filling the divine cup of Apollo, but failed to do so due to distractions, uh, earthly distractions. So we have to be able to, to move past uh, getting distracted by earthly delights if we have some sort of um, task that we've been uh, delegated. And, um, you know, there is repercussions for not fulfilling that task. So I would say that it's important this week to really stay focused if you can. Um, despite all the chaotic things swirling around us. Uh, the sun will be in the terms of Mercury from 6 to 19 degrees and then moving into the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 21 degrees. It will be making uh, an overcoming square to Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn and then opposing uh, Mars in Aries, the retrograde Mars in Aries. I don't think that that aspect will perfect this week. It won't come to its ultimate fruition, but we're going to be feeling the effects of it by its increase in potency by whole sign. And of course, the host of, of uh, the sun this week is Venus in Virgo, which is an aversion relationship. So um, careful not to get too perfectionistic about our expectations when it comes to our relationships. I uh, will say this when we get to the Venus significations, but relationships and love is meant to be felt and experienced and given and received instead of having it be 
a project to work on um, where we're always trying to perfect. Uh, there are circumstances where that is uh, appropriate, but when it comes to, to love and relationships and desire and catharsis, working on it may not be the best way to approach that energy. So um, we'll talk about how we can best navigate that particular um, energy that we have right now as well. Okay, let's move on to Saturn. Saturn is going to be uh, in Capricorn. Uh, moving still slow because it is picking up speed as it as it just recently moved direct, so it'll only be moving you know not even uh, it'll only be moving a few minutes within the the twenty sixth degree of Capricorn. So it's at twenty five cap, which we you know we always call it the twenty sixth degree because we um, think about it in a in a way uh, I don't know. There's some sort of way of thinking about digits in that way. I don't remember the name of that off the top of my head. But Saturn will be uh, in its own domicile and its own terms from 22 to 26 degrees. So we have a really strong Saturn. Um, we have a really dignified Saturn. Uh, Saturn is able to do the things that it wants to do. It is uh, going to be co-present with Jupiter. It will be making an overcoming square to Mars, as we've been experiencing for quite some time, that is limiting some of the actions that we've been uh, desiring to take. Uh, and, and limiting the um, ability to fight for the support of the hostile audience. So we may not be able to move forward with um, winning over people to our side right now. We kind of have to accept the roadblocks that we've been presented with. Uh, Saturn will also be receiving an overcoming square from the Sun in Libra. It will be receiving a trine from Venus in Virgo. So that it, Venus is trying to help right now. So that is one positive thing we can kind of potentially lean into as a positive relationship between Venus and Saturn, uh, having some sobriety in our relationships and really dealing with the reality of it rather than the fantasy. Um, and the final aspect that is uh, happening with Saturn uh, by whole sign is a sextile with uh, Mercury in Scorpio. So the host of Saturn this week is itself. It's in its own domicile, hanging out in its own temple. So I guess leaning into that Saturn you know, uh, it's important to recognize that the, the powers of contraction, the powers of death, the powers of the void where energy and form are leaving this material plane is very strong right now. And we are thinking about um, how we are going to contract things that have power and that things that administrate power with that third decan. Of Capricorn, um, so we've, we're seeing this too with uh, one of the you know most powerful leaders of the of uh, you know the world um, contracting a deadly disease and and kind of being on death watch here on some on some level, and uh, you know there is a sobriety that comes along with that. There is a realization of our limits, and uh, I think that part of the you know way I've been you know, experiencing this news with Trump is, you know, seeing Saturn in action saying, you know what, no one is able to escape um, death. No one is able to escape uh, mature, doing the mature thing. And, and we've seen this kind of denial of, of Saturn, really. I think when someone is denying having to wear a mask or having to do the difficult social distancing or denying that something like death uh, exists, um, there's always repercussions for that because we all 
uh, are going to have to face that, that reaper eventually. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is um, facing the consequences of actions and, and potentially um, the consequences of hubris. I think that one of the, the ways that, that the ancient Greeks and, and people in ancient culture thought about repercussions were not necessarily um, like the sins of the, of the Bible. They were more about hubris. Um, hubris was the biggest, I guess, if you wanted to call it sin, you could call it that, but I'm not sure that that's the way that they thought about it exactly. But hubris was the, the ultimate like slap in the face of the gods. I mean, there was kind of a divine plan. And when you thought that your plan was better than the divine's plan, that was when, you know, retribution, you know, generally would, would, would find you. And I don't know if it's like some animated force or animated person that is punishing you, although punishment is one of the significations of Saturn. Um, it's just that there are certain um, planetary wills, there's certain divine laws that we live within, and when we violate them and think that our own um, human will can violate those divine laws, there is uh, natural consequences. There's cause and effect. I think that's another thing about Saturn is that if you take a certain action, there will be a certain repercussion. And um, that's what we're seeing, I think, in the collective right now is the, the consequences of our actions. And this isn't just Trump either. This is like states like Wisconsin who are seeing enormous spikes in their, uh, in their COVID numbers. Um, I believe that at the beginning of the pandemic, the governor of Wisconsin wanted to have some fair, fairly strict, uh, you know, shutdowns and fairly strict rules around what can and can't happen um, in the, you know, in the actions of the state. And the state legislator uh, and the state Supreme Court pushed back on those things quite severely and did not allow him to enact those, those COVID restrictions. And now we're seeing Wisconsin being one of the states that is um, the numbers are blowing up uh, that they're in, in, you know, there's a list. I saw a list of counties in, in America where there's um, lots of outbreaks and cases and Wisconsin's at the top of the list for multiple counties. So it's just consequences of actions. And, um, you know, it's about respecting nature. I think that that's, that's what I've learned throughout this, uh, this period of time. All right, so that's kind of what's going on with Saturn. We'll talk more about Saturn as we move forward in the week, but let's move on to other planets within the, within the um, report. So Jupiter this week will also be in Capricorn um, at the 19th degree, moving slow but starting to speed up. Uh, Jupiter is starting to gain speed as it has moved direct in the last few weeks. Um, so we'll see it at 18, 18 Capricorn. It also is in its fall, so... Uh, the qualities of being able to uh, connect to uh, faith are are difficult right now. We may only see the ability to to think about our material reality rather than our eternal uh, reality. Um, the quality or the willpower of growth and abundance is held in abeyance or held in check right now by Saturn because Jupiter is in Saturn sign. Um, Jupiter will be in the terms of Venus this week, 14 to 22 degrees, and it's going to be co-present with its host Saturn and Capricorn. And all the same aspects that we talked about with Saturn are going to be true for, for Jupiter. 
it is making that overcoming square to Mars and Aries, receiving the overcoming square from the Sun in Libra, receiving a trine from Venus in Virgo, and then sextiling Mercury in Scorpio. So tough, tough sledding for Jupiter, as we've seen all year. Uh, and I've noticed uh, through talking through uh, with other groups of astrologers and through doing research and things like that, that a lot of our societal downturns and economic downturns have coincided with Jupiter and Capricorn periods. I believe the last one that we had was around 2008 when we were seeing the housing crash and the housing bubble that was popping. Um, and, you know, I was seeing other things in regards to this um, as I went back in the, into history and saw different economic downturns that were happening with the same uh, position of Jupiter. All right, so Mars this week is going to be still retrograde uh, in Aries, where it is moving from 23 to 21 degrees of Aries backwards. It's in its own domicile and in its own terms from 20 to 25 degrees. It is receiving the overcoming square from Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn and making an opposition to the sun in Libra. It is its own host. So it is, it is powerful, but it is moving backwards and it is um, reviewing some of our actions, reviewing some of the, our ability to sever from things that no longer serve us and take self-directed actions. Um, we may be really frustrated with some of our anger lately. This, this full moon that we experienced in Libra and Aries was, you know, co-present with Mars and a retrograde Mars. And we may be misusing some of our anger and things like that. I know I was not, uh, I didn't, didn't escape the full moon without conflict. And, um, you know, I got into some arguments with a, a group of friends that I had about uh, politics, which is what a lot of people are arguing about lately. And, uh, you know, ended up kind of severing some ties and I, I kind of rashly, and this is not uncommon these days when, you know, we're, we unfriend people or we cancel people or things like that. And um, in the moment, I even had some reservations about it. I just, but I think the force of the moon and the retrograde Mars, I just kind of couldn't help myself. And, you know, a little bit later, I, I was reflecting on it and kind of kind of regretting it a little bit and regretting my actions. Um, not regretting the position that I had, but regretting that I couldn't come to a consensus with people in a more, in a more balanced way. And I think that that's something we've all been experiencing on some level. And I think this is a really great time to talk about that, that uh, social dilemma movie that I watched. Um, it's a documentary on Netflix that I highly recommend. And it's about, uh, it, it is interviews with um, people who are some of the designers and leaders in the social media and tech platform field. So these were people who were, um, you know, CEOs or presidents or designers of like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, things of that nature. And they were talking about the dangers inherent in the algorithms that they've created that are leading to a lot of social unrest and dividing us even further. And they showed one of those great um, exponential growth curves. And this one was, you know, that hockey stick that I was talking about with economics and in other forecasts. But with this particular one, it was in uh, polarization of like our belief systems. 
And a lot of it was due to the data mining that is happening on these platforms that is pretty much unchecked. And a lot of the times that we see, you know, only the news that is reflective of our own belief system. And it's a, it's a self-perpetuating process because they're mining all this data from us. Their mind, everything we do is, is recorded. And that, that movie really pointed out how much data they are really uh, consuming, you know, and, and collecting without our, you know, mostly without our consent and mostly without, you know, uh, you know, giving us, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, restitution for that. Or, you know, they're saying if, if, if the platform that you're on is free, then you are the commodity. And that's that's looks to be very true. And there are people that are uh, benefiting to billions and trillions of dollars, based on knowing our preferences and knowing our habits. And um, the big realization from that movie was that our behavior, our actual lived behavior, not just our online behavior, but our real world behavior, is starting to become more and more manipulated by the media that we consume and by the platforms that we exchange information on. Now, just even hearing myself say that, it starts to venture in towards like this, you know, it almost sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's, I don't think it is a conspiracy theory. What it is, is uh, the way that these algorithms work and, and how um, the human brain and the human psychology works and how people have, have used that psychology and kind of weaponized it against us. And my point in saying this is not to, 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 you know, I don't know, so more distrust. It's to bring awareness to the fact that um, these platforms that were started out, um, how do I say it? They started out as tools and now they are using us. So it's kind of the thing where we have to, to how do we become more ethical with our usage of these, these tools and, and make them into tools again? So that's something that I'm going to start, I think, banging the drum for uh, quite a bit, I think, into the future, because I think it's so important. The point, the point being is that if we are able to understand how we have become biased in our viewpoints and how our minds have started to become uh, sort of played with, I think, with some of the powers that be, we will be able to have a more unbiased perspective and be able to begin the process of reunification with people that we right now are disagreeing quite vehemently with. And I think that's really important because I think that if we continue to go on this path and continue to live in these echo chambers that we are living in, we are going to get further and further away from unity with one another and we're going to sow the seeds of chaos and division to the point where where society becomes so destabilized that nobody's happy anymore and i think that's such a core issue that i wanted to spend some time talking about it today and especially in regards with mars retrograde i think this is this full moon has taught me that there is definitely a way to engage in in um, disagreeing with people and there's ways that are effective and ways that aren't and also shining a lot of light on the systems that are causing us to have division and what truly can bring us back together again because that's something that I'm really concerned with I I've always been someone who has been concerned with peace and fostering unity between 
either different groups, different viewpoints and things like that. And I found myself being increasingly polarized with this. And I'm starting to understand that it is a function of the, the types of tools that we are using right now and the artificial intelligence that is rapidly increasing in its effectiveness, where every single thing you do, every single click, every single like, every single thing you share, every single video that you choose that's suggested to you further refines their ability to keep your attention on that particular platform. Because that's really, when they keep your attention, they can sell your attention to advertisers. And when they sell your attention to advertisers, you know, that's basically, you know, your attention becomes the commodity. And it's a really tough pickle to get out of, especially like now that we're in this pandemic where most of our interactions um, business-wise are moving even further towards being online, myself included. All of my business now is online. I don't do any in-person interactions anymore as far as my astrology or my music teaching or things like that. It's all online. And there is, the, I guess, the necessary, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize it as a necessary evil. There's just a necessary usage of some of these tools to get the word out. But I've been asking myself as someone who often reflects on the ethics of things is how do I use these tools in a way that is not uh, where I'm not being manipulated and where it's not sowing seeds of discontent. So that's something that I don't think I'll be able to completely answer just in one forecast again. And I think that this issue is going to come up really uh, strongly, especially when Pluto moves into Aquarius is my intuition. Because what Pluto does is it brings up the corruption in these systems. And I think that it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to talk about like online communication as having some Aquarian type of uh, significations and, uh, you know, being of, of collective and things like that and our technology usage. And we are going to see some of the, I I'm, I'm guess I'm just like putting this out there now because I think this is going to be the the conversation has been started by this documentary, The Social Dilemma. And I think that we're going to continue to see its importance uh, rise and become a louder voice as we move forward in, with civil unrest and with um, becoming more and more divided online and, and with the tools that we use. So I just wanted to put that out there and, and begin the conversation and begin bringing awareness to this um, and uh, there's some great websites that you can look at for more information. One is, I believe, um, humanetech.com. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do, like turning off notifications on your phone, um, limiting your screen time, getting your news from a, 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 an unbiased source. Uh, I've been starting to use this site. I believe it's called allsides.com. And it shows you a headline from uh, all different uh, political perspectives, like like three or four articles for the same headline, and it shows you if it's left, center, or right. And I think that's so valuable to be able to start to regain some objectivity again, um, because I don't want to be in an echo chamber. And I guess the one regret I do have is that I fell prey to canceling someone because I didn't like their viewpoint, and I, I do regret that. And I I feel um, I do feel some regret. For, for that. And I hope that uh, I will be able to reconcile with the, the, the folks that that, that um, 
that that uh, incident kind of happened with. I think it will eventually. I think I'm just kind of taking some time and some space to think about it and reflect on my own role in that first before maybe trying to to reach out and re-engage. I think it's okay to take a time out if we've gotten to the point where we have not been able to communicate in a um, in a mature fashion or in a in a, a dignified fashion. I would say too, and I think that. Um, yeah, nobody would, would um, really uh, fault you for saying, time out, I'm going to go take some time to really self-examine, you know, so, uh, so we'll see. So that's what's going on with Mars and with the social dilemma. Again, we will talk about that more at length, I think, as we move forward with these forecasts, because the importance of that, and I think that the other thing that the movie suggested is really starting to put pressure on regulating social media and regulate not just through censorship that's not what i mean not regulating our voice but regulating what these particular tech companies can collect from us and how much data they really can have and and regulating our privacy i think that's really the key is we're eventually going to have to make an agreement as a society that we're not going to let these tech companies you know com- have unfettered access to everything that we do online um, because that that is part of what is creating, I think, the problem and the issue. And we're going to have to have some ethical responsibility with the algorithms that have been created. And I don't think that the people that created these were evil. I don't think that they had bad intentions. I think that sometimes when we create technology, we don't always consider, and we can't always possibly know the repercussions and the fallout of, of what it's going to um, do especially when we have something like AI that develops, almost develops itself now. Um, all those like dystopian novels about AI taking over the world and things like that, well, we're kind of in it, you know, and it doesn't look like killer robots. I mean, that may be one manifestation, but it looks like millions of servers uh, in a room processing our data 24-7. And we can see things like, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but I've seen some really uh, rational people that I've known in the past really fall prey to some of these echo chamber voices and really get very divided, um, you know, through things like QAnon and stuff like that. Uh, I believe there was a resolution passed in the, the House of Representatives denouncing QAnon. And, I, and I found, I've had some people that I really, I really respected and really had a, seemed to have a good grasp on things um, fall prey to to some of the the like QAnon uh, echo chambers and conspiracy theories, people that were really well-meaning. Um, so it, I, again, um, what I would recommend very practically, and I'll, I'll move on after this, you know, limit your consumption. Make sure that you are able to still hear voices that are maybe contrary to your own. You don't have to do it 24-7. You don't have to engage in people who are being complete shitty or, or complete assholes to you or whatever. But you don't have to get in necessarily with fights with them either, right? Um, there, there is a way to, to understand someone else's perspective without uh, having to completely confront it all the time and, and be head on with it. Uh, second of all, like just being aware of, you know, how your data is being manipulated. One thing I did was I deleted the Google uh, search app and I installed an app called DuckDuckGo, which does not collect your personal data. One of the biggest realizations from that movie was that Google uh, shows you different search results based on your location. Uh, like you'd search something 
And uh, it's not just the first hit or the most popular hit. It's, it's, it's tailored to your specific area. And I thought that was very nefarious. And I, and I wanted to stop doing that. Um, I also received, like, after I searched for, <laughs> like, um, wheat sheaves uh, for a spica post that I did, the Fixed Star Spica, I started receiving Amazon suggestions for sheaves of wheat, <laughs> like I'm some kind of uh, baker or like Demeter, the goddess or something. I thought that was hilarious, but it was also concerning, you know, so, you know, we're always being watched, I guess. Um, so that's a couple things that you can do. And then starting to put pressure on your legislation um, leaders to, you know, think about how these technologies are being used and, and ask them to pass legislation that, that maintain, that, holds these companies accountable for the data that they collect and to continue that conversation. Okay, so that's Mars, that's the social dilemma. Moving on to Venus. Venus is, is in Virgo this week, moving from two to 10 degrees. It is moving fast. Uh, it will be conjoining the fixed star Thuban at seven degrees of Virgo, which is uh, in the constellation Draco, the dragon, which is collecting things. So we'll, we'll discuss that when we get to our daily report. Uh, it is in its fall, so it is it is uh, not in a comfortable position. I posted a picture of a of a young child coloring but crying while she was doing it. But, you know the kind of the pain of creation and the pain of perfectionism. I think comes out with Venus in this particular area of the zodiac, where we're constantly trying to refine something, where we're having awareness and we're we're reflecting on the, the flaws in our systems and in our things that we love. We may be attracting things that need repair or that attracting flawed things. And love becomes a project, and that, that can lead to some, some frustration for sure. It does have some dignity by triplicity in the daytime. Uh, it is also uh, dignified in the second phase of Virgo, so we will talk about that. And it will be in its own terms from seven to 17 degrees after it moves through the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. It will be trining uh, Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn and then sextiling Mercury in Scorpio which is also its host, and it is in a sextile relationship with its host. So there is some, uh, there is some positive ability to examine uh, some of the, uh, I guess, the things that we use as tools. I, I like to think of the first decan of Virgo as tools and, and skills. You can see in the, um, the Eight of Pentacles with the, the apprentice that is working hard with his tools to make things and to, to bring things into form. And with, with Mercury, who is in moving through seven to 11 degrees of Scorpio this week, Mercury is providing, is helping us to question some of that technology and, and maybe even let go of some of it. That's, I really noticed that when, when Mercury moved into Scorpio, that I uh, started wanting to use my technology less, to communicate less. I wanted to cut certain things out of my experience. And I think that's what we might see with the Mars-ruled sign of Scorpio with Mercury moving through it. Uh, now, Mercury is really slow right now. It will be in the terms of Venus on 7 to 11 degrees, but then in its own terms from 11 to 19 degrees. Um, but it is getting ready to move to, to slow down. It's in its retrograde shadow, which it entered, I believe, on the 23rd of September at 25 degrees of Libra. And then it will station retrograde on the 13th next week, Tuesday, at 11 degrees of Scorpio. 
So we're already starting to to slow down and 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 reconsider some things. Um, yeah, and we may have to review some some of the things, the actions that we've taken, and some of the communications that we have uh, exchanged uh, over the last few weeks. And I can already see that you know some of the communications that I may want to revisit from a different perspective through have, having learned and reflected on. Uh, my own personal reactions. Um, Mercury is going to be sextiling Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn, and then sextiling Venus in Virgo. Its host will be the, that retrograde Mars in Aries. It's in an aversion relationship, which means that it cannot witness its host. But there is this kind of um, this Hellenistic technique called lichen girding, which means that when a planet is in a domicile that it rules. Also, okay, so when it when they're so Mars right now is in Aries and Mars rules both Aries and Scorpio. And when it's has that type of relationship where it's in a sign that it shares rulership with, there is some kind of like hidden relationship where it still can provide something. So I think that, that there is a mitigating factor with that, but it's I would say it's still a difficult relationship, especially with the retrograde motion of Mars. So review your tech this week and your tech usage. Maybe set some limits. Uh, Saturn is asking us to set limits. Um, you know, it does, I'm, I, I, would, I would really just want to qualify all this with saying that I'm not anti-technology. Um, I was born in that generation, you know, kind of in between Gen X and, and the millennials, you know, around 1980 or so, where that's when I was born, <laughs> I guess, is where, you know, I knew what it was like not to have this technology growing up, but I was also young enough to see it, to grow up with it as an adolescent as well. And I think that that is a, I think I'm one of the last generations really to be able to experience that, um, that transition. And uh, I think that I'm grateful for that perspective because I think that it will, it will gift me with a unique perspective of, of being able to see both sides of the coin and um, knowing that these technologies aren't going anywhere. It's just that, that we have to regulate their, our usage of it and how, what our relationship is like with it. Um, I think that human beings have formulated all sorts of wonderful inventions and all sorts of tools. Um, that's one of the beauties of being human is that we have the ability to use tools and to be inventive and to imagine things that didn't exist previously and technology being one of those things. But again, our inventiveness does not always coincide with whether we should do something or the ethics of it. And I think now we're, we're, we're starting to see the ethics. The ethics always take time to catch up. You know, like when the car was invented, you know, we had to invent seat belts because people were, I'm gonna guess, people were flying out of them at 60 miles an hour and, and hitting trees. Okay, so now we take it for granted that we need a seatbelt. You know, we had like, you know, I don't know, oh, television, right? And we had all sorts of ways that we had to start regulating what kind of advertisement could be shown to children um, at certain hours because of how impressionable and how receptive they were. And now we have the same thing with the internet and with the technology that we're using there. And I will continue to, to bang the drum from that to, to that until it comes back into balance. 
All right, so the moon this week is waning from its full phase. We're kind of recovering from that full moon, which I don't know about you, but I've had a little bit of fatigue this week. There's been a lot going on. Um, moving into the last quarter phase where we're going to start reconsidering and moving past this lunation and maybe having a bit of an existential, an inner existential crisis about um, how we move forward and starting to let go of things of this particular lunar cycle. The moon's going to start out in its exaltation uh, in Taurus, where it also has triplicity rulership and rulership in the second decade of face. Uh, <laughs> the second decade of face. Oh, boy. In the second face of Taurus, it has decanic rulership. There we go. <laughs> like, the moon will be peregrine in the, uh, in the sign of Gemini, and then it will gain dignity in Cancer, where it has uh, domicile rulership and rulership in the third face. It will then end the week peregrine in the sign of Leo. The, the main aspect that the moon is going to be making is a square with the sun uh, at 17 degrees of Cancer and Libra, uh, which is our last quarter moon on the 9th. So that's on Friday. And that coincides with our Mars-Pluto square that perfects on, on Friday the 9th as well. So that's what we've got for the planetary condition report and the long-winded philosophical di digression. Um, <laughs> like, you never know when I will go into a 20-minute philosophical digression. <laughs> I never know when I will. I don't know where, where always when the proper point in the forecast is to do that, but I reserve the right to do that. It's my show. <laughs> like, and uh, I hope that you're sort of here for that as well, too. I don't think you would be if you wouldn't want to hear my thoughts every once in a while. I'm not just a, a machine cranking out these aspects, so I hope that I'm not. Um, so, yeah, let's move forward to Monday. And I'm going to put the... Uh, I'm going to put the sun closer to the ascendant so we can kind of get the gist of our of our day here. What a wild ride we've been on lately, huh? Uh, it is uh, full of surprises, and I don't think we're at the peak peak surprise point yet. And um, I'm not going to make any any definitive predictions as what happens with with President Trump or whatnot. I'm, I was, I'll tell you what I did feel this week that was surprising. The surprising emotion that I felt is when I heard that news and, ah, man, this, this was a toughie because I, I really disagree with a lot of what he represents, what he says, what he does. Um, I do not support his politics or his behavior. Um, but one of the first thoughts that I had was, um, was compassion. I, I, it was really strange. It was really strange to feel that bubble up. And maybe it's just being human and being sensitive. And um, I don't take joy in anyone's suffering. And even in a person's suffering who I vehemently disagree with, who quite frankly has caused quite a bit of suffering in a lot of people, I don't take joy in that. And I... Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I definitely want to see him uh, descend from power and to see a new paradigm take over. Um, but I never wish death on somebody. I, I, I think that is, uh, 
that is uncouth. And I think that that is, um, no, no. I think that's not really the way to move through your life and not a good way to, to, to be. Like, I, I can respect someone's shared humanity without endorsing any of their behavior and still wanting, you know, their um, descent from the throne, I guess, so to speak. And you know what? You know what it is, too? It's having faith in the, the powers of divine and natural law to, to play out. Um, I think we talked about this with Saturn in the, the Planetary Condition Report. Nobody will be able to escape Saturn. Nobody will be able to escape death. Nobody will be able to escape the necessary maturation and humbling and humility uh, that comes with Saturnian, Saturnian experiences. And um, this is a Saturnian experience for President Trump. Don't, don't have it make, make any mistake about that. I believe that uh, Saturn moved station direct opposite his time lord, Venus, at 25 degrees of Cancer in the 12th house, um, right as his diagnosis came out um, and made an opposition to Saturn, right? And uh, now his time lord, Venus, is moving into its fall in Virgo, and he's going to be you know, convalescing and, and doing whatever he does. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I said, surprising that that was one of the first thoughts that I had. And I don't know if that just is reflective of, you know, how I feel about people in general and, and considering all life sacred, even though um, there are people that abuse the gift of life. So I don't know, just something to think about. I don't think I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm not going to publicly celebrate somebody, you know, suffering. That, that's just not in my, um, that's not in my wheelhouse. And I, I hope that you all can have dignity when it comes to, to that kind of thing, you know, while still fighting for peace, equality, uh, for a new paradigm, for a paradigm shift, you don't have to stop doing any of that. It's just, I think it's, it's maybe it's just about having class. I, I don't want to stoop to uh, someone else's level. I think, I think that's the, the thing. Um, if we want to create a new society that is based on mutual respect and, and holding life sacred, I think we have to set that example. I think that we have to uh, model that, even if it's not being shown to us right now. So that, that's, that's what I have to say about that. And that's, those are my thoughts on it. It is just very interesting to see it play out, though, and the astrology. I, I, I definitely am intrigued by the news. Um, so I, I'm just kind of seeing what happens. And uh, like I said, I think that there's a plan, and I have faith. I do have faith that, that, that this cycle is going to keep on spinning and is going to keep on rebalancing itself. And there, we may see some extremes from time to time, but... At every extreme, the seed of its opposite is born. This is something I've learned from studying Taoism and from studying the yin-yang, right? Where you see the, the little bit of light in the dark and a little bit of dark in the light. You know, there is the seed of its opposite always being born, especially at extremes. And um, it's a dance and it's a circle instead of a, a, a climbing to the peak of a pyramid or the peak of a mountain. And we all have to do that dance. So connect with the center. Okay. So Monday the 5th, uh, the sun is going to be conjoining that fixed star Algarab. 
and we'll break that down. But let's first, let's talk about the lunar aspects. The, the moon is going to be making a trine to Jupiter very early in the morning, 12.07 a.m., 18 degrees of, of Taurus and Capricorn. Uh, the moon will then sextile uh, retrograde Neptune at 1.36 a.m., 18 degrees again. Uh, it will make a trine to Pluto at 22 Capricorn, and then a trine to Saturn at 25 Cap. And that happens at 8.50 a.m. and 2.41 in the p.m. respectively. So we've got harmonious aspects with the moon, albeit to some, it starts off with some positive planets um, and maybe some escapist planets and some planets associated with belief. And then it moves forward to dealing with uh, the underworld, corruption, death, decay, boundaries, limitations. So I think as we move forward through our day, and especially with Algarab, and let's take a look at Algarab. Algarab is at about 13 degrees of Libra, projected ecliptical degree, and we go over to our star chart here. And what we are seeing is Corvus the Crow right here. Here's the sun in the constellation of Virgo, which is tropical Libra now because of precession. And it's in alignment with uh, Corvus. And you can see Corvus the Crow here is eating a delicious fig. He was given a divine task by Apollo or Bacchus. There's different, different thoughts on that, but I think it's, we can think of it as Apollo in this context. This is uh, the, the Apollo's goblet. This is uh, the, the grail cup, right? It, it's, carrying, it's a vessel that's carrying something sacred. It is about uh, a container for the, for the divine will, for divinity. And uh, Apollo was like, I need you to fill this cup. And Corvus uh, got distracted by um, the mundane, by earthly delights, and failed to fill that cup. And he, uh, the, the Corvus, this crow, um, blamed Hydra, the sea serpent that you can see here with the many heads. He's riding on the, the back of the serpent. He lied, right? So there is some uh, significations with dishonesty and potentially a downfall due to dishonesty. Um, so what do we do when we have the sun conjoining Algarab? Well, we may have a, 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 an acute awareness of potential distractions. Maybe it's social media, right? Um, and we may, uh, if we stay focused on the goal, we may gain vitality, the sun. Sun is a, a provider of vitality. It's a provider of gnosis. It's a provider of growth. Um, through staying focused, staying honest, resisting the temptation, okay, resisting the temptation to, to be manipulative, to get ahead, and to blame our shortcomings and our failings on others. It's about taking responsibility. And, uh, you know, we all have weaknesses. And I think that one of the things that was impressive to me about the debate last Tuesday. I didn't even talk about that, did I? That was hard. I will, I will say, watching the debate, I compared it to being energetically assaulted by two septuagenarians, right? I felt really uh, a lot of anxiety watching that, and mostly because of Trump, but just feeling uh, Biden's frustration as well, I could, that also was anxiety producing. But just the fact that when he was attacked, you could see the, the Saturn-Mars square playing out quite significantly during that debate. And Trump was Mars, and Biden was Saturn. And um, 
there was one point in the debate where Trump uh, stooped to attacking Biden's son, who uh, had struggled with addiction. And, and Biden, instead of, um, you know, lashing out, he, he you know, he, he said, I, I, th- I really had some respect for him when he was like, you know what, there are times when people struggle with addiction. And he worked really hard to work past that. And he has unconditional love for, for his son. And he respects his son for being able to work through those challenges. And that was a really vulnerable moment. That was like kind of kind of this like taking responsibility and also showing unconditional love for people. And it was a humanizing moment that I, that I don't think that President Trump is capable of. Um, I think that he has some real, you know, obviously has some mental health challenges, has some potentially some kind of personality dis- disorder, like uh, maybe BPD or narcissism or something like that. Which, as much as it pains me to say it, sometimes we have to have compassion for too. Uh, I have dealt with some people who have had this type of uh, energy in the past. It's very difficult. It is one of the hardest uh, mental health challenges for anybody to have any interaction with because it's very hard for folks like that to have the necessary empathy for them to change their perspective. And I guess one of the things that I'll tell you if you're dealing with that, because um, that debate brought up a lot of trauma, trauma for me personally, I think for a lot of people. And I read an article about how, you know, a lot of people who support authoritarian and abusive uh, leaders had that kind of energy in their own families and in their own experience. And it was, it's familiar and it's difficult to, to move past that when that's all you know. But the way that I dealt with, you know, my own, experiences with with folks of this nature was you're not going to win an argument you have to uh, cut off lines of communication as much as you can and only deal with the things that are practical and tangible like if you get a a 10-page email or a 10-page communication um, you have to kind of pick and choose what the facts are and only respond to those you have to give that person the least amount of fuel to grab onto to argue with you with. And that was something that I think that um, Joe Biden, he probably could have done slightly better in this debate. If it were me and I was his handler, his advisor, I'd be like, don't take the bait. Just continue to talk about your own uh, focus and agenda. And you know, all of those attacks, they don't necessarily matter. If you, do, if you don't take the bait of a bully, he won't see any more fun or get any more he won't be able to feed on your pain. Okay, that's what I see with a lot of these folks. They they are energetic vampires, and they feed on your pain. And if you don't if you don't show them that that that's uh, that you're willing to let them do that, that can change the dynamic quite a bit. And uh, but it's really difficult to do. It's really difficult to do in the moment, especially if you're constantly being bombarded by that type of energy. It's really really tough. It's really tough. It takes a lot of self control takes a lot of maturation and a lot of trying to transcend and, and get in touch with your higher self and a lot of centering, a lot of meditation. Um, it's very, very hard to do um, consistently. So yeah, and I think as a country, we're going to, I think that the best way to um, get rid of a, a narcissist in power is to starve him of attention. Don't give him your attention, you know? Focus on what you want to create. 
you know, cut out the, all, the addiction to the abuse, I think, on some level too. That's a hard thing to do. We have to deal with our own trauma if we're going to deal with the, the reflection of the trauma that we experience through Trump. Because I think that's what it is. He, he is a symbol for our collective trauma, you know, for the, the dysfunction that we have in our own families, that we have in our own relationships, that we have in our own uh, systemic, um, you know, organizations, laws, the way that we treat one another, in the way that we manage resources. He's a reflection and a symbol of all of those things. And it's come to a peak and it's come to a head and it's come to a concentration point. And by dealing with that, with each other, and, and it starts with ourselves and it starts with our home and it starts with our, our family relationships. That will be the first steps to healing and, and not be, being willing to accept uh, or give any more power to people uh, who reflect that part of ourselves, our shadow. He's a shadow player, right? He's, he's reflecting our shadow back to us. And that's, that's valuable, I will say. That's something that's given me a different perspective on Trump is he's reflecting the shadow back to us. And if we think about it in a Taoist perspective, you know, he, he is such an extreme of some of that darkness and some of that anger that the seed of the light has no choice to be, but be born within it. So that gives me some hope, uh, but it's tough to live through. It's, it's a t- this is a tough moment to live through. Um, so that's what I've got for Monday in Algarab. Let's move forward. And I hope that you are all able to <laughs> weather the, the debate. That was rough. I watched it with a group of friends and we were all kind of uh, shell-shocked at the end of it. And it was, it was sad. It was, it was difficult. Um, it was painful. It was physically painful and draining. And I think that's what we're all feeling with this full moon. I think that, unfortunately, I absorbed some of that negative energy and I brought it with me to some of my own interactions and, and uh, you know, that's something that we have to really realize. How much of that energy are we absorbing and how can we get away from it sometimes? How can we really shut it off and not absorb that negativity so that we can come at our interactions with people from our own center rather than reflecting and, um, what's the word, projecting uh, or displacing some of that pain that we have absorbed from the collective. And uh, that's going to take discipline. That's, that's the way to Saturn up right now. If I would suggest anything to my listeners, it, was, it would be uh, really get clear on regulating your intake of, of your information. Doesn't mean that you stick your head in, your, in the sand and do nothing. That's absolutely not what I mean. I, I do think it's important that we stand up to abuses of power right now. But I think that you have to kind of um, come at it from a balanced perspective and um, and you have to come at it from a way that where the other party will be able to hear you and that position is from a position of love empathy and and a willingness to acknowledge an, uh, multiple perspectives all right so let 's look at Tuesday, October the sixth on Tuesday, October the sixth, the moon moves into Gemini at twelve o two a m it is in its disseminating phase now, moving past the full moon phase where we are, you know, reaping the fruits of that, of what came to light at the full moon. The only aspect of the day on Tuesday is a square between the moon and Venus at four degrees of Gemini and Virgo at 841 a.m. So this may be a point in, the, in time where we are, uh, you know, 
getting an awareness of a, an abundance of options with the moon in the first decade of Gemini, and we may feel some paralysis. And you remember the Eight of Swords with that particular uh, decan, um, where we may be frozen by being aware of too many details. And we're really trying to refine too many things, uh, especially maybe in our relationships. Again, the danger of Venus in Virgo is, is, is taking on love as a project instead of just feeling it and letting it flow through you and receiving it like, like Aphrodite received the gifts as she emerged from the ocean, uh, glowing like a phosphorescent uh, jellyfish. Okay, so Venus functions at her best when she freely gives, when she just reflects back who she is from her core essence, rather than needing to feel like we need to earn love or need to um, craft it. Do you see what I'm saying? We don't need to craft love. Love just is. All right, so that's what I got for Tuesday the 6th. Let's move forward to... Um, October the 7th, which is Wednesday. On Wednesday, October the 7th, the moon is still going to be in Gemini in its disseminating phase. Uh, it will be making a trine to the sun in Libra at 5.17 a.m. at 14 degrees of Gemini and Libra. We're going to have a square with the moon to Neptune uh, at 1.50 p.m. And then a sextile to retrograde Mars at 9.56 p.m. at 22 degrees of Gemini and Aries. So... Those are our lunar aspects of the day. We've got harmony between the lights, which is always nice. We do have a, a challenging relationship with the moon, which brings things into form and I think talks a lot about our physical energy too. Uh, making a tough contact with Neptune, so that may make us a little bit tired or, or want to escape some of our mundane tasks that we have. Uh, but then as we move forward through the day, we are going to have the moon make some contact with Mars um, even though it's retrograde, that may give us a boost towards the end of the day. Now, the big news of the day on Wednesday is that we have an opposition between, um, between, where is my thing here? Uh-oh. Still going? Oh, okay, sorry, I got a little spooked here because I didn't see my... Uh, I didn't see, oh, am I not sharing my screen? Oh boy. Hopefully you can still see what I'm doing. Sorry, <laughs> like, I'm just making sure that we're not getting all messed up here. Okay, sorry. There we go, now it's all back. So the big news on Wednesday the 7th is that we have the perfection or the uh, you know, the fruition, I guess you could call it, of the opposition between Mercury and Uranus, okay? And oppositions are of the nature of Saturn. And we have, uh, yeah, this is a tough one. This is, this is unexpected communications. You know, Mercury is, is representing moving between boundaries and between worlds. It was the cycle pomp that moved between physical reality and the underworld. Um, it is bringing us messages. It is also about the exchange of ideas, the exchange of money and commerce. Um, it was a precocious youth, so it's associated with skills and things like that. And Mercury is a destabilizing influence because of its association with 
the seasons that precede a transition from light to dark. So it's, it's creating doubt. It's casting doubt like the cosmic lawyer would. Okay, so when we have Mercury in this position and opposite Uranus, um, we may be questioning the things that we've lost, okay, with this first uh, card in Scorpio, the Five of Cups, okay, questioning what we've lost and, and ha maybe having some unexpected losses. And especially it, it could be, you know, the, uh, the unexpected losses with Mercury coming in contact with uh, some material, new ways of doing things. So we may be communicating regarding death, uh, re regarding an, an um, erratic, overstimulated type of experience with contact with Uranus and kind of this lightning bolt of awareness. The lightning struck tower has always kind of had a little bit of an association with Uranus. Um, we may have a lack of focus. We may be questioning our, our methodology around death, rebirth, and transformation. Mercury is hosted by that retrograde Mars too. So we may be reviewing our actions and their effects on other people. May get some shocking communication, but especially with uh, losing something material that we were connected to. Now Mercury is slowing down to retrograde and this whatever issue crops up that is unexpected, we will have to revisit during the Mercury retrograde cycle. So this isn't going to be the final word on Wednesday of, of what is going on. Now, I've, I have, uh, regardless of being able to study astrology, I've constantly still been surprised by Uranian contacts. So I, I, I'm not going to make a definitive judgment on what, what the surprise may be, but just keep your eyes out for some, something that, uh, you know, maybe throws you for a loop. And take your time. Think about how you may be able to shift perspectives towards gratitude again. That's one of the lessons I think of that first decade of, of uh, Scorpio is we get an awareness of what, what kind of desires we have that may not be serving us. Uh, and we're re-examining our internal desires. I think that this is something with, or our internal actions, the things that we want. And remember, Mars severs. So this is about severing, uh, you know, our internal um, things that we want to pursue that have proven maybe not to be not the healthiest, okay? So we're, we're getting the exposure of maybe what needs to decay in our life. And, and Mars is creating uh, the ability to sever us from things that no longer serve us in Scorpio. Whereas Mars is, is more, its action in Aries is more directed towards growth because that is associated with the, the spring, right with with bringing things into being we have, sometimes we have to cut ourselves off from from things that aren't um that aren't us right we have to like individuate that's the energy of the seed busting through the soil whereas you know the energy of scorpio mars and is kind of like being able to sever the fruit from the plant and then it, the plant consolidates and then it returns to the earth so whenever we have these three different decans of a sign. We get an introduction to the energy in the first decan. We solidify that energy in the second decan, and then we have the kind of result of that process in the third decan. And in Scorpio, we get an awareness of what we need to let go of, and maybe we mourn that loss. Uh, we, you know, we'll talk about Mercury in the second decan of Scorpio later on the forecast here, but there's, you know, a, a, in the second decan, 
we get an awareness of the types of relationships that we have that are either really supporting us or really not supporting us, or how we merge with someone else. And then in the third decade, it's about how are we eliminating, truly eliminating the, the distractions and the desires that no longer serve us through our choice. So that's kind of the narrative that when planets move through Scorpio, and we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll dive in in greater depth. But with this opposition with Uranus, we're really getting an awareness of what we've lost, what needs to be let go of, uh, especially with like in regards to communication, technology, and commerce. All right, let's move forward to Thursday. Shift my notes here. See if they'll stay up. Stay. <laughs> it's a constant war with my uh, my notes that I insist on doing on paper because I that's just I like the feel of a of a a pen in my hand and being able to like I feel like there's a different layer layer of creativity that comes out of me or I'm able to. Mm, tap into some kind of intuition that I might not be able to if I was typing when I write things out by hand. So that's why I do it this way. All right, on Thursday the 8th, the moon is going to move into uh, its own domicile, its own temple of cancer at 11.45 a.m., continuing the disseminating phase. The only aspect that we have, uh, well, there are no aspects, but there are some planetary ingresses. We have Mercury moving into the second decan of Scorpio at 8.17 a.m., and we'll break that down. And we have Venus making a conjunction by projected ecliptical degree with the fixed star Thuban at seven degrees of Virgo. So first, let's talk about um, Mercury in the second decan of Scorpio, since we were just talking about that yesterday with Wednesday with the opposition. Now, as Mercury moves into the second decan, right here, you can see it's in 10 degrees of Scorpio here. Uh, it is going to change face rulers from the double Mars ruled face, which is really concerned with loss and severance, and change to a solar Jupiterian type of face, okay? Where the, it's a little bit more of a positive face. It's represented by the six of cups, okay? Which is, shows a, you know, like almost like a sibling relationship where a, you know, one child is giving a gift to a younger child. Um, and it's kind of a, I don't know, in other systems, they've talked about this being like a nostalgia card, like memories of some past relationship that was good that maybe isn't necessarily exist anymore. So there may be this idealization going on in this particular decan. Um, the book, book T and the Book of Toth call this card Pleasure. Austin Coppock calls it an apparatus for mutual distillation. There are a number of fixed stars in this particular uh, decan that, we, that Mercury won't necessarily hit this week, but it will hit, hit next week. Uh, and that includes Acrux, Alfeca, Zubin el-Janubi, and Zubin el-Shamali. So we'll break those down in depth next week. Um, but this particular decan is about especially with, with Mercury. You know, let's talk about it with Mercury. It's about exchange of energy that is either positive or negative. So you can, and I think that the, the word that really sticks out for me with this is echo chamber. 
um, because I think that we could get further enmeshed in our own echo chambers, mutually distilling with people that either uh, support our views and make us want to be better people, or we could get really mixed up with people that are kind of poisonous for us, and we keep exchanging that poison and can, can lead us off the path and really down some really nefarious roads. Uh, so be careful of your communication. Um, in, it's important to engage maybe in, in meaningful discourse. Uh, this is a very fixed part of the Zodiac too. So uh, if you're thinking about changing someone's mind with Mercury in the second decade of Scorpio, it, that, it, that is, this is a tough position for that. People's positions are going to become more solidified as we move further into the election cycle. And they're going to be based more on intuition and emotions and potentially irrationality rather than objectivity. So keep that in mind. Um, so very stubborn, fixed, emotionally charged opinions are going to be cropping up. So be careful that you don't get mixed up in arguments with people, um, that your exchanges are really be aware of what type of people you're surrounding yourself with and what type of communications you have. Um, I think it's okay to snooze people on, on social media. I would, number one, I would, I would maybe take a break from social media uh, in the weeks ahead if you can. There's really, I don't think there's anything you're really going to glean from it. And this is me, this, this is a conundrum because like I said, I post a lot of material on Twitter with my Deccan and my fixed star posts. And yes, I want people to benefit from that. But I don't post like a ton of like, my day sucked today, or this is my opinion on this type of thing. Or I just, when I post on social media, what I want it to be is I want to add something useful and educational to the stream of consciousness. And I shared that, you know, a post about the social dilemma because I think it's informative and I think that it's useful. I, I share these posts about decans and fixed stars to teach people things and to help them learn about what's going on. Um, I rarely will give my unfettered opinion about something that isn't rooted in uh, potentially wanting to share some kind of information that I think is important, you know, and I, you know, whose mind are you really going to change with just some sort of uninformed opinion and just, you know, sharing a, an emotion or whatnot on social media? I don't, I do think it's important to share emotions with people. I just don't know if social media is the right uh, medium for that. I, I think that what I would suggest is, is, you know, maybe communicate with people over the phone. Maybe get on some of these other apps like, I don't know, Signal or something like that and text people in there instead of on Facebook Messenger. Get out of the doom scrolling, right? Where, where you, th those, those um, that technology is designed to keep you there and it is designed to make you feel insecure. That's the other thing. It's, it is literally built into the code to make you feel bad about yourself so that you continue to be on it, you know? And I, I, I really, uh, I really, I really want to delete all my accounts to be honest with you. 
but since um, we are not, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I want to, I still want to be able to share positive things. I'm not going to do that, but you may see less of me participating on there. I think I'm going to get a post scheduler where I schedule these posts. Um, so if I'm not on there liking your stuff, it's not anything personal. It's just uh, for my own mental health for the next few weeks, I think. Um, and I'm taking my cues too from my astrology teacher, Chicha Baba. I think he's, he's, he's on the same boat right now. He's like, you know what? I just, for, my, for our own sanity, for our own centeredness, we can't just be bombarded by, you know, uh, opinions all day long, you know, and that's really what it is. It's, that's what it's turned into is a lot of irrational, emotionally charged opinions, and they aren't really going to fix anything. They're just going to sow more division. So that would be my other suggestion. If you have something that you want to share, ask yourself two, three, four times, does this add anything meaningful to the conversation? Will this actually help people? Um, is it educational or is it a rant? Is it, uh, you know, and I know that everybody feels like they're the hero of their own story and they're trying to help people through sharing their wild, weird conspiracy theories too. So it's all, a lot of it is relative, but, um, but yeah, really consider if, if what you're sharing is going to uplift people or if it's going to you know, make them feel more anxiety, because I think we have enough anxiety in the collective stream right now and you get to choose what you add to it. And you also get to choose what you receive. So I'm asking both for boundaries in, in uh, what you put out into the world and for what you take in. You know, you got to learn to regulate that. And that's, um, that takes a lot of discipline and that takes a lot of maturity and it takes practice. You know, it may not happen overnight. So that's what's going on with the second decade of uh, Scorpio, which Mercury is moving through, is learning to regulate, you know, what we take in and what we put out separating ourselves from things that are toxic and coming, you know, accepting it, coming to terms with it. Now let's talk about Venus on the fixed star Thuban at seven degrees or so throughout the day that will happen. Um, and we'll go over to our star chart here and we will take a look. Uh, this is on the eighth, so I'll move forward. And so we've got Venus, which is right here. And Venus is hanging out in in the constellation Leo, but in the tropical uh, sign of Virgo. And we have to go all the way up to kind of around the pole where my it's going to get a little topsy-turvy, which it likes to do. And this is Thuban right here. Yeah, it likes to flip. So this is, just trust me, that this is my projected ecliptical degree. This dragon right here, this is Draco, okay? And Thuban is one of the stars in Draco. I believe it's, uh, where is it? I think it's somewhere around here. Maybe it's right there. I don't know. Just trust me. It's one of the stars in the dragon. And it used to be uh, one of the, it used to be the ancient pole star. Okay. It was, let's see if we can find it because that's bugging me now. There it is. It's kind of slightly, slightly dot in the in the the drawing that they have on my program, Starry Night Pro. But this used to be one of the, uh, or it used to be the ancient pole star, where 
the pole stars were really interesting because they talk a lot about um, immortality. Because, you know, we, with the night sky, we saw things rise and we saw things set. And a lot of the belief system was based on which particular constellation or fixed star was rising at important points of the year, like at the solstices and the equinoxes. But these pole stars didn't really appear to rise or set over the course of an evening. Okay, they were just, they just kind of appeared when it got dark and they didn't move. Like that's because with the celestial poles, everything's rotating around that central point. So this is the point of center. So this constellation is about centeredness. It is about um, guarding that, you know, immortal uh, treasure. Okay, this was the dragon that has been thought of as like the, the serpent in the Garden of Eden guarding the apples of, of the knowledge of duality, the knowledge of opposites, okay? This was um, the dragon in medieval times, guarding a great treasure, right? Uh, so we can think of a couple things with this. We can think about, uh, if we think about on the negative side, Thuban has been associated with hoarding instincts, like guarding a great treasure. But, but we can think about it as the, the motivations for it is to, to be able to achieve immortality. Um, and this really reminds me a lot of uh, the nodes story, like Rahu and Ketu. I just got done taking in a lecture from my teacher about the nodes of the moon and Rahu and Ketu, Rahu being the severed head of the demon or of the serpent in, uh, in Hindu astrology. And... Uh, I think that it's a similar vibe. There may be d desire, uh, and, and that head, that severed head, was never able to be really fulfilled on the material plane. Remember the moon being associated with material reality. So we have this kind of um, experience with uh, this dragon, you know, having desires, potentially uh, maybe with uh, Venus in Virgo, we desire information, we desire perfection, um, we desire love uh, and we desire to like want to, we may want to hoard it. And I think that the key with this is that we have to let love flow through us uh, rather than collecting it and letting it stagnate. So if you're, you're having some instincts around Thursday that you want to collect things, that you want to collect information or things like that, the best way to keep information flowing through you is to share it. Now, I have Jupiter on Thuban, so uh, to me, wisdom is something I like to collect, right? Divine wisdom, you know, an ability to uh, learn. Learning is something that is, is important to me. Being able to connect and build bridges is something that I want to gather. I want to gather information. But instead of keeping quiet and instead of just like hoarding a bunch of books and never telling anybody about it... I've had to learn to let that information flow through me. And, uh, and every time I've done that, I've, it's, been, it's brought me more awareness and more um, information and hopefully more truth. So that's what I would suggest for you is, is if you're learning things, don't be shy about it. Share, share things. Again, ask yourself if it's useful and if it's uplifting or if it's not. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to completely suffer in silence if you are. But again, I think it, there, there is certain 
avenues for expressing um, vulnerability that is more supportive than things like social media. And I saw that, you know, this was a thing too. I saw this um, woman, Chrissy Teigen, like was uh, talking about a miscarriage on social media, which many people applauded her for her bravery and about talking about that and about not having to be perfect on social media and talking about some of the things of life like that, which I agree is important. And I, I think that is starting an interesting conversation. What I did find a little bit uh, uncomfortable was she was sharing photos hours after, you know, of herself crying in, in the hospital and, you know, with everybody. And I, I don't, that seems like such a private moment and such a painful moment that might, I would think might require um, maybe a mourning period beforehand, before you expose yourself to the, the wild west that is Twitter, uh, where, you know, sometimes we heal through, uh, through these really intimate relationships. And that seemed like such an intimate thing that, that I, I really have questions about sharing something like that right away. I don't think that um, sharing it in general is necessarily bad. I just question the timing and maybe even the amount of access that we're, we feel we have to give people or, or even this, commodifying our pain. You know, because remember, your attention is a resource and using a great tragedy to gain attention or followers, something about it just doesn't sit, sit well with me. You know, there's just, uh, there's something that feels a little off about that. And, you know, tell me in the comments what you think about that. I'm, I'm willing to hear alternative perspectives on this. I, like I said, I think that I, I admire her courage for not having to be perfect on, online, but also there's just something that it feels very voyeuristic about that, um, that I think is a problem in our society, that we feel like we have to share every single moment with everyone else. And I don't know if that's completely healthy. Okay, so that is Thuban. That is Thursday. Let's go back to uh, our chart here and we'll move forward to Friday. On Friday, October the 9th, the moon starts out in Cancer where it has dignity uh, in its own domicile. Um, it is moving from the disseminating phase into the last quarter phase on Friday. So the first lunar aspect we have is a sextile with Venus at 2.16 a.m. Then we sextile, uh, the moon sextiles Uranus early in the morning again. Uh, it will make a trine to Mercury newly in that second decan of Scorpio at 10 degrees of Cancer and Scorpio at 8.03 a.m. Uh, it will then make an opposition. Actually, the next aspect that happens is the square with the sun at 8.39 p.m., so in the evening. So we have these like positive, harmonious aspects in the morning. In the evening, things start to get a little bit stickier. So we're going to have the square between the sun and the moon, disharmony between the lights, friction between the world of matter, the moon, form, and the spirit, which is the sun. Sun is like the spirit, the soul. I don't know. I mean, there's mixed feelings about calling it 
you know, the soul, because maybe we're all this, everything is the soul, but it is that, that uh, light bulb, that gnosis, maybe that higher self, okay? Uh, so there is conflict between those two things. And this is happening in the second decade of Cancer with the moon and the, the sun in the second decade of Libra, where we see uh, celebration, abundance in the three of cups for Cancer, and then the sorrow card with three of hearts, okay? And the second decade of Cancer is about, you know, protecting, it's, it's, I think it's what I was just talking about, protecting the family. Like it was called the walled garden by Austin Kopic, where we're allowing growth, but behind these protective walls, right? And uh, sometimes, um, this is why like, you know, in that social dilemma movie, they talked about, all of those tech people, they're like, I don't let my kids have these, these things at all. I don't let them have social media. I, I don't even let them have a phone until they're like at least 16, 17 years old. Because, you know, the, 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 self, um, the self-image that these kids are, are forming, especially like in middle school, if you have people constantly reflecting all this weird stuff back to them, that can be really detrimental. You know, my my 16-year-old daughter doesn't have a phone and doesn't have social media. And that was a, a conscious choice after she did have it for a period of time. And it, it was, I could see that it was um, really leading to a lot of um, challenges with self-worth. And uh, there's been a dr- dramatic shift with her not having it. She actually has time to go learn skills. She's an excellent guitar player. She became a very good swimmer before COVID hit. Uh, you know, she reads incessantly. Um, she has a stack of books she gets from the library every single week and, and is, you know, educating herself and, and gaining useful skills rather than, you know, trying to win people's approval through uh, her body or through uh, how she looks and, and subjecting herself to people's approval or, dis- or disapproval on a platform with strangers. So that's a choice that we've made in our house. And, and I, I really stand by that quite significantly. And I think that with this moon too, we may be feeling that conflict between what do we protect and what do we keep sacred in the domestic situation versus uh, our social obligations. You know, the second decade of, of Libra is about those contracts that we have socially with one another and the chains that bind us and that link us together. Um, So we may be feeling uncomfortable being exposed from behind the curtain on some level, and we may want to retreat into our smaller spheres. So that's something that we are going to have to work through as we move through this last decade of, of, or this, this last quarter moon phase. Now, after that last quarter perfects, we're going to see the the moon make an opposition with Jupiter at 11:17 p.m. and uh, then it will make a trine to retrograde Neptune at 11:43 p.m. at 18 degrees of Cancer and Pisces. So uh, we'll finish off the day with some some uh, escapism potentially, um, or just feeling tired. You know, I, I, this is something I see with Neptune a lot: fatigue, just world weariness. I think a want to escape the world for better or for worse. Now, to contextualize all of that, 
we have another non-lunar aspect on Friday the 9th that is very important, and that is the the um, square between the retro, retrograde Mars and Pluto and Capricorn. So we have Mars and Aries at 22 degrees, squaring Pluto at 22 degrees of Capricorn. That happens earlier in the morning, 9.09 a.m. So that will help contextualize that last quarter phase as well. Now, this uh, this may be... Uh, an aspect where we may see an eruption of repressed trauma, of anger, of volcanic emotions coming to the surface. Um, there is definitely with Pluto, some of these Hades archetypes of, you know, Pluto or Hades just, you know, emerging from the underground or the underworld, the, the earth just sh shaking like an earthquake and cracking open and him coming out and abducting somebody that had happened fairly regularly in that mythology. So don't be surprised if you have some challenging emotions that kind of rise to the surface that need to be dealt with. Uh, we may see this in our hierarchical systems as well with Pluto being in that third decan of Capricorn and, and exposing the corruption and we may, uh, of our systems. So we may have a lot of anger at the corruption that we see in the systems. Um, and I don't know, maybe this has something to do with stimulus packages or something like that. I know that they're still arguing about, about that and the resources. Um, I don't know, maybe it has to do with who is in power if Trump is unable to continue on with his duties. Because uh, you know we talk about corruption and the, the way that we administrate power in the third decade of, of Capricorn. So regardless, it's going to be a little bit of a sticky, I think a sticky day where we're going to have some in intense feelings that need to be dealt with. And again, I would encourage you to think before you do. Um, think before you take an action. Use all of your self-control, your, all of your Saturnian qualities to be able to take an action that is well thought out rather than based on um, violent passion. Because this this is a this is a aspect of violence too. I would not be surprised to see more violence in the the collective erupting. Unfortunately, I I was the other thing that stood out to me about the 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 uh, debate was the the dog whistling of white supremacy white supremacy groups uh, with uh, Trump, you know, being asked to denounce. The, the Proud Boys and the white supremacy in general, and he wasn't able to do it. He did a lot of backtracking and then had his infamous quote of, of stand back and stand by, which is horrible. And I, I, I you know, I think that that's, that kind of thing uh, is very dangerous and the, those types of words matter. And I don't know if we're going to see repercussions with, with that type of uh, energy as well. My hope is that with, you know, Donald Trump not being at the forefront of the news cycle as far as spreading his his um, vitriol around and more about his convalescence that, that will take some of the teeth out of some of these um, things where he's trying to rile people up. But I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just be be on the lookout for eruptions of, of violence too um, with this aspect. This is something that's associated with uh, with violence in the collective as well. Um, but again, use your own uh, ability to be patient and to to work from your more mature, higher self if you come across a situation where you feel like 
lashing out because it could come from a really dark place and it could have extra intensity. So um, get on that meditation tip and <laughs> take a time out. That's the other thing. It's okay to take a time out if you're in conflict with somebody. Sometimes removing yourself from the situation temporarily is the best you can do at the moment. That's the most mature thing that you could do. So there's no shame in that. All right, let's uh, move forward to our weekend and finish up our report here. Okay. So on Saturday, October the 10th, uh, happy birthday, Brett Favre of the uh, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that birthday, but, but uh, one of my childhood heroes growing up. Um, on Saturday, October the 10th, the moon will be moving through Cancer into Leo uh, later in the day at 8.24 p.m., continuing our last quarter phase. The moon will square Mars at 6.05 a.m., uh, 22 Cancer and, and 22 Aries. Uh, that's on the fixed star um, Pollux, I believe. So that's talking about a, a necessary sacrifice that needs to be made um, with, with the moon you know, squaring Mars there. So keep your eyes peeled for that where you, you may feel a little bit of um, depression around what you realize needs to be given up so that something else can live. That's the kind of story of, of Pollux is giving up some of his mort immortality so that his mortal brother Castor could, could live on Mount Olympus at a certain period of time. The moon will then oppose uh, Pluto about a half hour later at the same degree. Uh, it will oppose Saturn at 12.03 p.m. at 25 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn. That's conjoined the fixed star Procyon at 25 Cancer. So um, trying to, not getting sucked into quick fixed solutions is really what Procyon talks about. And its opposition with Saturn could be that you really need to think about the long term, but you may be tempted to try to put a Band-Aid on something that really requires long-term planning. Uh, and then at 824, the moon will move into Leo. And the other uh, non-lunar aspect of the day is that we have Venus making a trine to retrograde Uranus at 7.08 p.m. at 9 degrees of Virgo and 9 degrees of Taurus. And this, you know, generally when we see Venus-Uranus aspects, we, we think about breakthroughs in relationships. We think about really eccentric aesthetic tastes. Um, remember, Venus is in its fall right now. So if you're thinking about getting a haircut on Saturday, you might want to wait because it might turn out. I don't know. If you like really crazy haircuts, this, this would be your day. But if you don't want some like super wacky outside the norm haircut, um, I would refrain. Um, we also may be attracting new skills or having a breakthrough in the way that we uh, manage our daily schedules and systems. That's another thing that we may be really looking at right now. I would say be careful not to overanalyze your emotions um, and the, uh, the way that you are trying to create change, especially when it comes to your, like your budget or, or the things that you spend your money on or the things that you desire. Um, sometimes we can overthink these things too. I'm guilty of that thought quite often. Uh, but it, but again, there, it's a harmonious relationship between these two. So you may find that by refining your desires, you, you may be able to move forward with a new way to, um, to manifest uh, in a more balanced way. Okay, so like, you know, sometimes with Venus and Virgo, it's quality over quantity. 
You know, you're, there is a, an eye for the details and an eye for what will last and sustain for the test of time. And then something that is just, you know, cheaply made or, or bad. I bet all you Venus and Virgos out there are like, I have an eye for quality. And I bet, I bet you do. I bet that's, that's some of the, the good things about Venus and Virgo is you can really, you have standards, you know. It's just you have to be careful not to take those standards to an extreme where you're interfering with good enough, right? If you're always striving for the best, it's sometimes it's hard to just do anything, and that can be paralyzing. All right, let's move forward to Sunday, and we'll finish up our report here. Okay, on Sunday, October the 11th, the moon will be in Leo. Uh, we'll finish up our last quarter phase. We're going to have a square between the moon in Leo and Uranus that we just talked about at 1.27 p.m. at 9 degrees of the fixed signs of Leo and Taurus. Uh, the moon will square Mercury then uh, at uh, 11 degrees of Leo and Scorpio at 4.50 p.m. So we've got kind of a, a T-square between the moon, Mercury, and Uranus that, it, you know, the moon is kind of T-squaring this, this opposition, okay, putting us in a tough spot where pride is probably engaged in the, uh, the communication that we may be getting unexpectedly, okay? And it may really throw uh, our, us for a loop as to what our identities are. Who, who are we? You know, wh wh what is our role now? You know, especially in that first decan of Leo, we may be like, what? Well, that's the mask decan where we're, where we're trying on new identities. And with this new information that we're getting, we may have to, to think about how we wield authority, how we create um, a sense of self, uh, how we command, uh, you know, action in our lives. So just recognize that that weekend is there's going to be some, some tense moments maybe with, with trying to figure out what to do next. And, it, and it, the answers may not be immediately forthcoming with these fixed signs. It may, it may take a while uh, since that energy is pretty solidified. Okay, the uh, non-lunar aspect of the day is the sun will be squaring Jupiter at 9.34 a.m. at 18 degrees of Libra and Capricorn. And this, this square uh, brings into play that three of swords that we talked about and the three of pentacles, which was, you know, a, a group of people trying to make a plan to build some kind of ornate structure. So this may be a difficulty with getting consensus with your relationships on the terms of a deal or the terms of a contract, um, you may there may be a grand plan that you're trying to enact, but you may have some challenges getting cooperation from the other people involved, um, running into issues with teammates or partners, and there may be some ethical breaches too, with, especially with Jupiter in its fall. Uh, you know, there may be a conflict over whether what you are doing actually you, whether you should be doing what you're doing, and whether it's it's uh, you know, has a root in higher ideals. And like we've been talking about with our tech use, um, is it rooted in, in actual divine ideals? And there may be something that comes to your awareness and an ethical breach on, on Sunday as well, or it comes to our collective awareness of some of the ethical breaches involved in how we wield authority, um, but also how we, we plan out um, the ornate structures of our material reality and our material society. And the final thing we have on Sunday the, of the 11th is Venus is going to move into the second decan of Virgo. And that happens at 5.05 a.m. Um, this is the Venus-Saturn ruled face of Virgo. 
represented by the nine of pentacles. And here in it, we see a, a, a figure uh, who has a falcon in a lush garden. And this is sort of um, about being able to weed out the inefficiencies as we strive towards a, a, a beautiful perfection. This uh, Deccan was associated also with Hephaestus, the blacksmith, where we're using Saturnian dirty hard work to create beautiful things. He was, you know, he was one of the paradoxical um, gods of the Greek pantheon because he was very uh, homely, but but you know used his his very um, well refined skills to create things of great beauty and of great power. So that might be some of the things we're experiencing with Venus in this particular decan. Uh, Book T calls it material gain. The Book of Toth just gain. Uh, Austin Kopic reflects that Hephaestian theme, calling it the hammer and the anvil. And the fixed star Zosma is, is, a, is a star of victimization at 11 degrees of, of Virgo and themes associated with victimhood. We'll talk about that next week, but that is present in this, in this decan. So we have to be careful of that as a pitfall. Um, there is dignity by face with uh, Venus in this face. So we may desire perfection. We may be holding our, our artistic work to a pretty high standard. Remember, I was talking about those standards with Venus and Virgo, and they may be impossible standards. We have to be careful of that with this particular planet here. Now, if it was Mercury, it would be a different story. But since it's Venus, Venus, we have to allow for, I guess, some of the, I guess, allowing for the imperfection is important. There's this quality in Japanese art, I believe it's called wabi-sabi, where you're allowing just some imperfection that is is um, giving, uh, having faith in the divinity of nature to to complete your project. That's something that I really gravitate towards now and, and had difficulty, especially when I was younger, accepting that concept. Um, there are always going to be some flaw. And what you're doing is you're giving a shout out to the the, the um, impossibility of natural form to, to really match up with that divine ideal, but also just seeing the divinity in the imperfection, in the wavy line versus the straight line, uh, in the, you know, the, the flaw, the divine flaw. Think about that. Think about divinity in some of the flaws rather than having to kind of you know, scrub them out of existence. I think that can lead to ruining your entire, your entire project. So we may also feel like we want to analyze the quality of the things that we value. Um, you know, this could be where you have a really discerning eye for anything that you want to purchase. Um, and, and finally, I like to think about Venus as catharsis and helping us deal with deep emotions, a lot like Pluto in our modern um, thought process. And we may find catharsis through enclosing spirit into matter. That's one of the other things that we uh, can associate with the second decan is, you know, we've got some sort of divine ideal and we're trying to make it into something. So this is where we might be trying to, to have a, a, a material manifestation of our, of our love, of our divinity, of our um, idealism. Um, so you might be able to really express a lot of deep feelings and deep emotions by creating something tangible. You know, like just using your hands, using all of your skills, and really, really getting down to business and making something in the material world. It doesn't mean that you have to live in that material world indefinitely. It just means that, you know, sometimes we can try to infuse uh, what we're doing with some sort of, you know, grace. I think that's, that's the, 
that's the key. All right, so that's what I've got for this week. Hope that you are all uh, doing well. Let's stop the share here. We'll talk a little bit about next week. Looking ahead, we have a um, sextile with Jupiter and Neptune. Um, Venus is going to sextile uh, Mercury. The sun's going to move into the second decan of, of Libra. And then on Tuesday, the, uh, the 13th, we're going to have an opposition between the sun and retrograde Mars at 21 degrees of Libra and Aries. That's, that might be uh, interesting or tough. Um, and on that same day, Mercury is going to be stationing retrograde at 11 Scorpio. Uh, we will also see a square between the sun and Pluto. And then a new moon on Friday the 16th with uh, the sun and the moon conjoining the fixed star Spica and Arcturus, which is a very, those are some positive fixed stars. So that, that there may be some good news that we get after some of the difficulties of, of the weeks that we have here. Um, yeah, and then uh, square between the sun and Saturn, and then an opposition between Venus and Neptune to close out next week. So that's what I have. I hope that you're all doing well. If you are enjoying these videos, please make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Uh, hit that like button. Make sure you're commenting on the videos. That really helps the, alg the algorithm <laughs> show up. I know I just spent two hours ranting about algorithms, but if you do want to support my work, like that is one way that you can do it, uh, sharing it with your friends. Um, and reach out for a reading. I I'm using a new scheduling app uh, called Acuity, and I'm offering some, some new types of readings I have regular business hours on, on Mondays and Tuesdays, but if you need a different day, feel free to reach out and, and email me if that, that those hours don't work for you. I have some flexibility in my schedule, but uh, just you know, trying to, to, to streamline the things that I do, I, I do so that I can keep creating content for all of you and uh, you know, be able to maybe move forward to more, some more evergreen content like uh, different types of videos and different class offerings and things like that. So if you want to support that work right now monetarily, I have some donation links here in the, in the video descriptions as well of PayPal me and a Venmo. That really does help as well um, beyond just reaching out for a reading. Those are two ways that you can support me tangibly beyond doing the, the social sharing type of things. So anyway, I hope that you're all doing well. Hang in there. We, 2020, we're, we're in the last quarter here. We're in the, the home stretch of this year. And uh, we're getting really close to that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius that I think is really going to be a shift towards something, I hope, I hope towards something more positive. I, I, I'm choosing to have faith in that and uh, that we're going to see a, a collective shift happen that is f for the better. So we're almost there. Um, you know, try to steal yourself and do all your good self-care things. Sometimes that can be going back into yourself, especially as we head into fall and the winter is taking a time out, taking time to reflect on how we've gotten to this point uh, in the year, uh, in your life as a society, reflecting on all of those things are going to lead to making more well-informed choices that will lead to a better future. All right, everyone. Take care. Peace.